and peace to you from him who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for our sermon is John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so also I have loved you. Remain in my love. If you hold on to my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have held on to my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy would continue to be in you and that your joy would be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you continue to do the things I instruct you. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends because everything that I heard from my father... I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will endure so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. These things I am instructing you so that you love one another. This is the gospel history of our Lord. What makes your best friend your best friend? If you had a friend who never came around, was always too busy for you except for when they had a need and then there they were at your doorstep, give me, give me, give me, would you continue to consider them a friend? In today's text, Jesus uh, talks about friendship and today we'll ask the question and answer it, how is Jesus your friend and how are you his friend? Now, let's get to one of the big game changers that explains how Jesus is our friend right away in verse 15. Allow me to translate my own translation of the Greek. No longer do I call you servants, because a servant has not perceived what his master is doing. I have called you friends, because I've made known to you all that I heard from my father. The Greek word that we translate here as servant is also the Greek word for slave. In your and my natural condition, you and I are slaves to the devil, and we are going to burn in hell, period, end of discussion. Anything else going on? None of our business. It's sad, isn't it? Jesus has changed our status. He has changed us from being slaves to being friends. Now, today's text is not talking about that slavery to sin, but you see, if you've ever had a bad employer, and all of us have had a bad boss where they got to their position, not because of what they know, but because of who they know. Well, we know there are times they tell us to do things that are ridiculous. Why are you having me do this? This is not only bad for you and for me, it's bad for the whole company. But lots of times if you work for a company, for example, when you work in the armed services, the higher ups say you have to do this. And whether you understand the big plan or whether the big plan is good or bad doesn't matter. Like a servant, they say jump and your response is to be how high. But see, Jesus has changed all of that. He's made you and I his brothers and sisters. He has literally changed our status. Imagine having somebody come along and take you from being a slave to the devil in which there is no freedom and we live in the lie of thinking that's freedom and he frees you so that God is now your father, so that Jesus is your brother. 
Would that not alone make you more than friends? Wouldn't you just love him for that? But notice what else he says there. I have called you friends because I've made known to you all that I heard from my father. Jesus lets you know everything you need to know to be saved. You know that heaven is yours. He, you know your sins are forgiven. You know that Christ won that for you. And every time you come to his word, you're assured of that. How is Jesus your friend? Jesus changed your status. You're not just a friend. You're a child of God. And he keeps on informing you so that you can be confident that you are in the friends uh, list, that you are a redeemed child of God. Now, immediately following that, verse 16, Jesus very emphatically says, you on your part did not choose me for yourself. But I, on my part, did choose you for myself. And I appointed you so that you, on your part, would continue going out and continue producing fruit and your fruit continue to live. And so that whatever you may ask of the Father for in my name, he will give it to you. What we have here, when Jesus says, you, on your part, did not choose me for yourself. Say, you didn't go out and say, hey, this guy seems great. I want to be your friend. Uh-uh. He came to you and was your friend, picked you for the friendship. What we have there is the doctrine of predestination. Now, the doctrine of predestination is a sermon in and of itself. It should be wonderfully comforting to you to know God looked in all time and eternity. God knew before he created the world that he would make sure that you would encounter his word and you would stay in the salvation that he would win for you. There's a friend that'll stick by your side. Now, we got to be careful. It wasn't that he looked at you and said, oh, you're so much nicer than the other kids on the playground. You're the one I'm going to pick. That's not the case. But he did pick you. What a wonderful thing. Not only did he plan for you to come and hear the word, be born and live in the time when you would hear that word and continually receive it. He also then gave you the purpose for your life. You see, the meaning of life is that God created you to redeem you and love you. That's what he planned for you. And once you are in that redemption, you are engrafted to him as a branch is to the vine. Remember, this continues that I am the vine, you are the branches discourse of John chapter 15. And so when you are engrafted to Christ, his love shines through you. His grace shines through you. You show the world here is where salvation may be found. And so you bear the fruit of being connected to him. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves, our sinful nature doesn't want to do that. Our new man does. And so you literally struggle against your sinful nature, which is also a fruit of faith. How is Jesus your friend? Jesus chose you before you even knew him. And he gave you a purpose. He's given you the meaning of life because you have life in him. We continue at now going back to verse 9 to show how you are Jesus' friend. Just as the Father loved me, also I myself loved you. Remain in this love of mine. There it is. If somebody says they're your friend and they never come around, they're always too busy for you. Are they your friend? In the Greek wording of the New Testament, there are several words for love and friendship is one of those loves of the New Testament. You are to remain in the love that Christ has already given you. 
It's one of the ways Jesus says you remain my friend. He continues, if you observe my commands, then you will certainly remain in my love, just as I myself have observed my father's commands and I continue to remain in his love. If somebody's your friend, but they backstab you all the time, they change what you say, are they really your friend? Many Christians think so, and they're mistaken. Jesus says, this is how you show you're my friend. You remain in my commands. Now, when we hear the words command, we immediately, and we should, think of the Ten Commandments. Jesus kept those for you. That was the Father's will. Because you and I cannot keep them. We would be damned to hell if our salvation depended on that. But Jesus has other commands. Commands like, go and make disciples of all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and by teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. See, you are bearing fruit. This is how you show love for Christ, sticking to what Christ has given to you. Now, we got to recognize something. We're going to get into this here in a minute. These aren't things we do because we have to, because we ought to, because we must, or we're going to go to hell. This is how we remain in him because we're already saved. Jesus kept the Father's commands and for you perfectly. He kept the Ten Commandments, but the Father also sent him to win salvation for you. And he did that because he loves you. And so you remain in his love by doing his will for you, which is always good. It's never your detriment. It's always your good. And so now we get to verse 12. This is the commandment of mine that you keep on loving each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life in place of his friends. You yourselves are my friends if you keep on doing what I myself am commanding you. Now, when you hear no one has greater love than this, that he laid down his life in place of his friends, you should immediately think of Christ's living his life for you and Christ going to the cross and dying and rising, taking up his life again for you. But there's a beautiful word picture in there. You often hear me say we got to pay attention to the prepositions. And the preposition we translate of in place of his friend is literally over. There's a beautiful picture when a person covers their friend with their body to protect them from the blasts of this world. There's a real friend. Christ didn't just die and rise for you. Christ rules protecting you. And a real friend looks out for their friend's lives, don't they? You have been given life in Christ. And now you also live for Christ. Christ doesn't need your protection. Christ gives you protection. But Christ says the way you live your life for him is sticking to his word and its truth and purity. That's where we find the commands that he has. And so in verse 17, he says, I'm commanding these things to you that you continue loving each other. Not the world's definition of love, Christ's definition of love, which you literally get because you're engrafted to him as a branch is to the vine. So we've asked, how is Jesus your friend? And seen he's changed your status and he assures you with, with information. We've seen Jesus chose you and gave you a purpose. But how are you Jesus's friend? We see you show friendship by remaining in him and showing his love. This is fruit that lasts and endures because then others get to see his love. But how are you to do that? Well, I've already told you some of that by the engrafting onto Christ of your new man. Verse 16, let me repeat that again, and I want to emphasize the end. You on your part did not choose me for yourself, but I on my part did choose you for myself. And I appointed you so that you on your part would continue going out and continue producing fruit. And your fruit continue to live 
And so that whatever you may ask the Father for in my name, he will give it to you. A lot of Christians get confused and they pull that last empowerment out of its context and they say, whatever you may ask for the Father in my name, he will give it to you. As if Jesus is given a blank check. Oh Lord, if you could please let me go do this awful thing that contradicts your will and is going to lead me out of faith. No, God's not going to answer that prayer. He's going to say, no, I don't want to lose you. In the context here where Jesus says this, he's empowering you. Because if you're going to go out and show his love, just as the disciples would find after, after Jesus sent them out into the world after Pentecost Sunday, the world's going to hate you for it. It's going to put obstacles in the way. Your earthly friends, and if you're like me, some of my earthly friends, I can't stand the fact that if they continue in the path they're on, they're going to hell. I have to share the word of God with them because I love them and I want to spend eternity with them. What happens when they resent me? for sharing with them that they need a savior and they have a savior. Oh, there are obstacles. But Jesus says, you pray to my father about those. It's his will. He wants you to show away his love. And so he'll remove those. You've been empowered by being engrafted to Christ. Christ has put his love in your heart. Christ has removed your sin. Christ has connected you to himself. And he says, anything else, any other obstacles, you pray to my father about them. He's going to take care of them because it's his will that you do this. So how is Jesus your friend and you his friend? You see, Jesus has changed your status and assures you with the information you need. Jesus chose you and gave you a purpose. You show your friendship by remaining in him and showing his love. But then we see Jesus is such a good friend. He even empowers you to do that. Now, there's one thing we missed. And it's a big thing. We don't want to miss that. And it'll be the last verse we cover in this sermon. That was verse 11. I've spoken these things to you so that my own joy may continue being in you and your joy may be filled to the full. Being connected to Christ, being Christ's friend, means joy. Not the world's kind of joy, which can be a, a carnal pleasure that leads to hell. A joy that is eternal. Now, sadly, Christians sometimes set that joy out when they turn around and make God just a list of rules that they have to follow without the love, empowerment, and everything else. You have to do this. You ought to do that. You must do that. And Jesus just becomes a lawgiver. And yes, the law is summarized in love, but it doesn't empower you to love. Jesus' love gives you joy. Let me tell you some of the joy that you have. I mentioned friends that... I say to them, I don't want to see you in an eternity in hell. I want to spend eternity with you. And it is a joy when God sends you time after time, because sometimes it takes a lot of patience and you finally see that breakthrough and they go, tell me about this savior. Oh, what a wonderful joy to get to share God's love with others. What a wonderful joy to have a brother or sister in Christ come to you and say, my conscience is bothered by this. And you have the privilege because you are connected to Christ to tell them Christ has forgiven that sin. It's gone. What a joy in knowing in this world. And many Christians have faced the hatred of the world, even lost their lives because they would not deny their Lord. And yet with tremendous joy knew they were going to heaven. Being connected to Christ and having Christ as a friend is not a gloomy existence at all. There's a lot of joy there. A joy even in knowing when things are miserable in life, Christ is ruling over creation for me. He's making this work for my good. Surely Christians have a reason every day to smile and rejoice. They're saved. They have the bestest friend in the entire world. 
How is Jesus your friend and how are you his friend? Jesus changed your status. And with his word, he assures you with the information you need that he has saved you and he's keeping you in your salvation and he's ruling to keep you in that salvation. Jesus chose you and then he gave your life a purpose. You know the meaning of life. You show your friendship by remaining in him and showing his love, staying true to his word. Jesus empowers you to do this. What a great friend he is. And that friendship with Jesus means Jesus fills you with joy. Amen. Now may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Amen.